Greetings, young one. Ah, what a selection. Babysitting your younger brothers, you say? And you want to give them a fright they'll never forget? Let's see here. Babysitter Bloodbath 2. Slumber Party Slaughterhouse 6, the rebirthday. Oh, well, I may be a decomposing supernatural accolade of the fallen one, but even I am tethered to certain rules. Let's see some ID. Says here, you're a six foot seven organ donor from Alaska. Hmm, well, good enough for me! <laughs> But, if I may make my own suggestion... Mm -hmm. Now this is a very special tale. The story of a young petulant girl and her annoyance with her little brother. Being a sibling caregiver is complicated enough without the influence of unearthly interlopers dripping with vile purpose. You see... Sarah was left to her own devices when it came to babysitting her baby brother. Turns out, she'd need to use every one of them to keep out the things that had won demand. Bring me the child. A shadow stands before a mirror, suspended in swirling indefinite blackness. The glass surface shimmers like lake water as the sun dips below the horizon and reveals a young girl staring back into this sprawling nowhere place. The command comes from everywhere and nowhere, a sibilant grinding, the sizzle of raw meat over a roiling flame. Bring me my child. The darkness around them writhes and crawls over itself, shuddering in anticipation. It obeys. Tonight. Sarah stands at the bathroom mirror, her scowl dripping with adolescent angst. Her mother calls from the foyer. We'll be back at nine, sweetie. Thanks for watching the baby. The baby. Her little brother. Her penance. Sarah had snuck out twice, had only been successful once, and now she was paying for it. The weight of it was stifling. To be home on a Saturday night with the little gremlin instead of out with her friends? It's not fair. She doesn't answer her mother. Instead, waits until she hears the front door close, until she can see the headlights pull out of the drive. Only then does she mock March to her room, lightly. She knows the baby is sleeping, and the last thing she wants to deal with is another night of wailing. The baby. God, what a hassle. Do this, do that. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. She huffs. Sarah flips the TV to the local station and flounces on her bed. The snowy image sharpens as the tubes warm up. The manic weatherman promises a storm on the horizon. Sure enough, she looks out her window to see heavy swaths of purple-black clouds, a drifting battalion marching steadily across the sunset. She sighs and hugs her old teddy bear Lancelot to her chest. She sits with her stuffed companion, staring into the flickering blue light of a monochrome creature feature. A middle-aged man in a shabby suit is staggering towards a mousy blonde suburbanite. Even with the volume down, Sarah can hear the peaking strings and shrill cries of the starlet. Our ingenue is frantic as a stiff-armed man in the ill-fitting suit shambles closer. Her brother, a gawky young man in coke bottle glasses and driving gloves, steps between them. He's shoved aside. His head collides with a gravestone. 
The shabby man leans down and opens his mouth, revealing mottled, broken teeth. The score is punctuated with a wet, crunching sound. He stands, chin and shirt stained with grayish-black blood. The brother lays like a stringless marionette heap, like a sacrifice at the altar of the sinking gravestones. There's an audible plastic pop as the power blinks and then goes out. Sarah flops back on her mattress, right at the good part. She rolls her eyes and sets her jaw, hugging Lancelot tighter. After a fair amount of fuming and kicking, she rolls over and fumbles for her nightstand drawer. She pulls a flashlight from behind her Bible. She clicks it on and watches the white circle leap onto the wall across from her. She should check on the baby, not like she wouldn't hear him squalling from anywhere in the house. Sarah steps out of her room and is struck with a feeling of vertigo as the flashlight carves through the darkness, as if the shadows were rushing away from the light, not just replaced by it. She keeps the beam of the flashlight low as she enters the hall, but even then, the dark seems to fill in her footsteps. The shadows of clouds crawl through the first floor windows, devouring the little moonlight that remains. Even the streetlights are out. The storm must be bad. She hadn't heard any thunder. The second floor is a landing in three rooms, bedrooms on either side and a full-size bathroom set in the middle. She starts towards the bathroom and there's a little scratching in the back of her head a ruptured seedling of irrational worry. Check, be a big sister and not a hurt little girl. Make sure he's okay. She turns away from the bathroom, scanning with the flashlight and sees it, gangling. Impossibly tall, impossibly long. Joints distended and stretched, like the accused broken on the rack. Liquid motion flickers through the banister rail and into the corners behind the floor lamp. Standing stick straight, as if the lamp were enough to hide it. Her breath catches in her throat and she feels the animal fear of seeing eyes shine in a darkened wood. The feral horror of seeing an impossible thing. This impossible thing. Impossible. That's what it is. Impossible. There can't be anything there. Seconds spiral out into lifetimes as she lifts the flashlight, points it straight into the corner straight into its chest to burn it away. And she sighs a hallelujah as it works. The light reveals familiar mundane realities. Wallpaper, carpet, cobwebs at the ceiling, an empty corner behind an old floor lamp. Silly, silly girl, scaring herself with scary movies, home alone on a stormy night. But not alone. The baby. There's a protective urgency as she walks into her little brother's room. She muffles the flashlight against her thigh and closes the door behind her. Not for any particular reason, she tells herself. As she walks to the crib, a flickering sliver of false moonlight peeks out, painting the room in surreal gray highlights. Sarah leans over the edge of the crib, watches her little brother fuss in his sleep. She pulls his blankets up under his arms, smooths it, traces her fingers over the little embroidered elephants. She rests her hand on his belly and shushes him slightly. She starts back towards the door, and she'll finish her rounds downstairs and grab a soda from the fridge. As she turns back to the door, she hears a tiny creak, a minuscule mechanical click. The doorknob. It's turning. Slowly. Almost so slow she could forgive herself for thinking she was imagining it. She can forgive herself for praying that she's imagining it. She reaches out and locks it reflexively. It pauses for just a moment, then resumes turning. First one way, then back. Slowly, but maybe not as slowly as before. 
Sarah hisses. Who is that? The quiet is burning in her ears as she strains to catch even the slightest sound from the other side of the door. The knob never stops turning, all the way left, all the way right. Who's there? She asks in a stage whisper and takes a half step back. Her little brother starts to whine, faster now, and the door groans achingly against the jam, as if someone were leaning on it with all their weight from the other side. Somewhere in the back of her head, she hears her own voice. Our Father, who art in heaven. Sarah holds the flashlight in front of her like a fencer's foil. Please stop. Please, just go away. No pause. No answer. The baby's fussing gets louder. The door rattles against the frame. Panic pricks at her voice. I said go away! The door stops as suddenly as it started, and there is a beat of silence. An ophidian voice answers. Give. Let. What? Who is that? I don't understand. Give. Give. You. Give. Let. Tears well up in Sarah's eyes. The flashlight stays trained on the doorknob, as if it were the one speaking, but her eyes are darting through the dark, looking frantically for something, anything that she can use to defend herself, defend her little brother, the baby. You give. You let. Give. The voice grinds through her skull, dry as a locust husk. If she couldn't hear it at all, she would still know it was speaking, and she realizes it isn't just one voice. You give. You let us. You. Give. Us. It's a chorus. Who are you? What do you want? I'm not giving you anything. The door slams in its frame, not just back and forth now, but up and down. The whole wall seems to groan, a bass undertone, to the dusty chanting. Each refrain punctuated with a bang of the door. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. The baby screams. Sarah screams. The things on the other side of the door scream. Sarah, let us in. Let us in. Sarah, let us in. Let. Us. In. She remembers the flashlight and turns her only defense to the door. It illuminates countless fingers. Night crawlers. Inky shapes curled and questing around every edge of the door, boneless and slithering one moment, curling with huge arthritic knuckles in the next, segmented like centipedes soaked in shadow. The crawlers flop blindly, twisting and angling, and Sarah realizes they're trying for the lock. She rushes forward, swinging at the shadowy digits with the flashlight. She can feel the head of the flashlight strike something, not quite flesh. It's spongy, fungal, giving way only to reform. She feels the light hit hard spots, fragments of bone in a mouthful of meat, the contact jarring her fingers and wrists. The head of the flashlight shatters as she stabs with the jagged end. An arc of fluid, viscous and cool, splatters across her hands and face, across her grimacing mouth open with effort. She spits and hisses, trying to clear the acrid, syrupy fluid from her mouth and nose. The voices howl inarticulately, and the baby caterwauls helplessly behind her. All the while, she rakes and stabs and slashes at the intruders, the living nightmare that fills every crevice of the doorframe. Sarah is suddenly aware of a searing light, casting the room in floating blobs of purple and green afterimage. Lightning. Amidst the screaming and howling, the storm has finally arrived in earnest. The thunder mutters, then booms. Sarah hears the wind tearing at the house and the rain sizzling against the windows. Her arm is getting tired, her shoulder burns, her fingers are slippery with blood. 
Her hair sticks to her face and sweat drips down her back. Another flash of annihilating blue-white reveals the doorknob, hanging at an angle, dented and useless. For just a breath, the door jars free of its jam. One breath, and Sarah throws herself against it. She can feel them now, clutching at her, rubbery and more cold, damp and dripping. They smell like compost and overripe fruit, saccharine and rotting, earthy and moldering. Her gouging has left her slick with their blood. It shares the same overpowering odor, the same clammy sickness as the flesh of these things rattling her bones from the other side of the door. Ours. Give. Ours. Give us. Ours. Not yours. Sarah jumps away from the door. She's not strong enough not to hold them out any longer, but she may be strong enough to fight. She has to be. The door slams flat against the floor, and she sees an endless black sea in its place, roiling and tar-like. The night legion pours into the room. Fingers, then worms, then fingers slide all around her, turning her towards her baby brother. Lightning crackles through the sky, shattering true dark, and she sees. He stands clutching the top rail of his crib. He is a smoky, dark void against the natural night behind him. His jaw dislocates unnaturally allowing his mouth to hang open like a bullhorn, and he shrieks. He wails a whirlwind, a tempest that makes Sarah's ears ring until finally, even that is overcome by fuzzy silence. She cannot hear, she cannot see, she cannot move, frozen, cornered. Just as Sarah teeters on the brink of pure shock, she feels a great push forward into the room, a sudden renewed rush. Her vision is blacked out by shapes and forms too dark to separate in the lightless, storm-dark night. They swirl and pulse through the room, then splash back out through the doorway, no longer holding her or surrounding her. And for a moment, she is gripped with pain. Words shear through her mind and her eyes roll back in her head. Every muscle clenches agonizingly as a message is carved through her consciousness. Then it ends. Sarah crumples limply to all fours and wretches. The otherworldly baying, the whispering night voices, the eldritch pressure of the things surrounding her, gone like a bad dream. She feels displaced, as if emerging too quickly from a great depth. Their smell is all around her, and she can hear something squishing across the landing, a forced roiling as if the oily mass were forcing back through whatever schism let them into this world. And with a familiar plastic click, the power returns. Her vision goes white with a sudden adjustment and she lurches forward in cracked slow motion, reaching towards the crib, a film reel of desperation staccato with missing frames. The crib is covered in shuddering, stringy black fluid, pumpkin pulp and mercury marinated in India ink. Sarah looks down at her hands, her clothes. She turns to the door. The stinking ichor coats the room in her body, an eruption of black afterbirth. There is a thick black trail from the doorway out onto the landing, as if some great black snail slithered away to the bathroom. Sarah feels the message scratched into the inside of her skull, running her mind over it like passing your tongue over a freshly extracted tooth. Dear sister, its tone sinister and mocking in her head, thank mother and father for us, but I must return home now. It would be a shame to keep Papa waiting. The darkness boils back through the obsidian mirror, rearing up before its sovereign in the shape of an obscene bulb and opening like a starfish before them. The sovereign reaches down to their child, 
with many knuckled fingers, and the child smiles up at them with ink-black eyes and long, pointed teeth. Welcome home, Toby, the sovereign intones dryly, and the child reaches out with both chubby arms, arms that seem to grow and stretch towards their papa like eldritch flowers seeking a black sun. Thank you, papa. It's good to be home. Bring Me the Child by Tom Cummins Music by Carl Cool.